0: Every day, scientists are learning more and more about how human brains work and how many of us don't fit into the old-fashioned understanding of how brains should work. But a lot of ideas about parenting and familial relationships still need to catch up to the reality of human variation. Neurological differences are natural, profoundly valuable parts of being in a community together and in being part of a family. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, I am here to explore with you. We are all in this together. Welcome to NeuroDiverging. Welcome to NeuroDiverging. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. If you're new here, I'm Danielle Sullivan and I'm your host. Neurodiverging is dedicated to helping neurodiverse folks find the resources they need to live better lives as individuals, and to further disability awareness and social justice efforts to improve all of our lives as part of the larger world community. If you're interested in learning more, you can hit the subscribe button to make sure you're notified when there's a new episode, and check us out on Patreon. I run the podcast and blog by myself, so come be one of my first patrons and support the podcast. You can learn more at neurodiverging.com. Today, I am thrilled to have Erin Beal with us. Erin is the autistic founder of the Autism Wellness Center of Southwest Michigan, as well as a personal trainer and a second-year master's student of developmental disabilities at Columbia University. Erin offers freelance wellness consulting for kids, teens, and adults who are autistic or ADHD. You can find her on Facebook at facebook.com slash Erin Beal Autism, Beale is B-E-A-L, or on Instagram at Autism Wellness Center, S-W-M-I, Southwest Michigan. You can also email her to book a virtual session at autism wellness center, SWMI, at gmail.com. Those links are also in the show notes. Erin was originally a communications expert and a graduate student in English until she was diagnosed with autism at age 30. Since then, she's dedicated her career to researching and supporting individuals on the autism spectrum across all contacts and across the lifespan. I happened to see a news article about Erin's very new wellness center and immediately reached out to see if she'd come talk to me because the thought of a wellness space for autistic people by an autistic person is gorgeous. I hope her center spurs a whole movement. I am so excited for her. This is such an achievement." In this interview, we're talking about what exactly goes into getting a master's in developmental disabilities, a field that I wasn't aware existed and I'm very happy to hear about, as well as Erin's journey from doing something completely different through getting an autism spectrum diagnosis and devoting all her energy to getting this wellness center open, and how much the online autism community has meant to us both. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you will too. Enjoy. welcome. Thanks so much for being here today.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So the first thing I wanted to ask you about is actually about your master's program. I heard you're getting your master's, you're in your second year, right, of developmental disabilities at Columbia University. Can you tell me more about that program? I'm not familiar with it and it sounds really interesting. The program that I'm in is really cool because
1: it's pretty innovative and that it's really focused on um, serving the individual across different contexts and across the lifespan, basically. So, from little ones to senior citizens, if we're talking autistic people, they could be um, people who are verbal, people who are nonverbal, people who have an intellectual disability, people who do not, people just all across the board. Um, and not only autism, but other developmental disabilities such as ADHD. Down syndrome, Fragile X, and things like that. So the actual exercise part is not really a part of my core curriculum. That is just my sort of additional training and background and interests, and then where I sort of um, specialize my projects and elective courses.
0: This is so cool. Thanks for telling us about this. So I just had no idea that there was a master's level developmental disabilities program available for students. And so you're in Michigan. So this is an online program.
1: Yeah. um, And it's really cool because um, I think it launched two years ago. They launched the online program. So they've had the in-person program for years and years. Um, And Teachers College is the oldest graduate school in the country. And so, like, there's such a long tradition there, yet um, they have this online program component as well, and they're more forward-thinking than what you might expect looking at, like, a BCBA program, Um, and also, you know, just very lovely and accommodating. And so, yeah, if anyone is looking to get their master's in autism studies or something in that area, I would definitely look into that program.
0: (laughs) That's great to hear that it's like an autistic friendly place to be because that could be hard to find.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) So how did you become interested in doing this kind of program?
1: So, I previously was getting my master's in applied linguistics. um, And then I had some problems in school, you know, related to autism, um, related to just being autistic and interacting with neurotypical professors, or I don't know if they're neurotypical, but non autistic professors. And, you know, also dealing with the big change of moving to a new place and starting a whole new sort of chapter and identity, you know, and so I also just really didn't like it, you know, (laughs) it's not like a whole, like, (laughs) it's not a woe is me story, really, but it just wasn't working out many different ways, and so after that, I was shortly thereafter diagnosed with autism, and so, yeah, and so then I got into strength training, and, um, then it all just kind of came together.
0: That's awesome. That's so great. Thank you. So you were diagnosed in your early 30s. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I was 30 when I was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Um, I was 18 when I was diagnosed with ADD. Um, Okay. But, you know, when I saw the doctor for that, they were basically like, you can, um, learn, study techniques and they sent me on my merry way. And so I was, so not the most helpful. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't really know anything about it. Um, and there was no treatment. So I guess, you know, coming to know myself as autistic, which I was actually self-diagnosed for maybe about a year before I was formally diagnosed.
0: Um, Yeah, me too.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I learned sort of about myself as being autistic and being ADHD at the same time. And they're so linked. It's hard to separate them. But, um, yeah, I did receive the diagnoses at different times.
0: This is so interesting to hear about because I feel like I've talked to so many women um Who are diagnosed autistic in a little bit later in their thirties or forties or fifties, and obviously that happened to me too, so it's just really interesting to hear your experience there,
1: yeah, I mean at least for me, and I think you know probably a lot of people can relate to this experience, but there were signs you know since I was a baby mm-hmm. but however, I always did well in school, and so you know, being kind of quiet and shy and, like, being, like, you know, female passing and, like, being a cis woman and, like, that was just kind of okay for me, Mm. but it was as I, you know, was coming up against new experiences and new situations that, you know, I either didn't know how to handle, um, I didn't have, like, the right mentorship and also feeling a lot of Emotional regulation issues due to, you know, being unhappy mm-hmm. in what I was doing yeah. and knowing that it wasn't for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like a bad fit in work or school or any other kind of social environment can just knock us over when we thought it was pretty going pretty well and then just suddenly crash, boom, nothing works anymore.
1: Right. Especially if that like hyper focus or, inability to focus I kind of go from extreme to extreme which works out for me um in terms of opening the wellness center because that's just been my focus I'm <laughs> just been, like, hammering that goal but like when I just when it's something that is really you know difficult I don't want to like sound this way but like when you just don't care about it like you know, yes,
0: I know. I, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I think probably everybody listening knows. Yeah. Yeah. That's how do you put your energy there when you could be doing this other really cool thing, you know? Yeah.
1: Exactly. And it was like, oh, I can just stay here with these people that don't like me because of who I am and the mm-hmm. way that I think and the ideas that I have and the way that I communicate. Um
0: yeah, Or you could do this other really cool thing that has a lot more potential to make you happy and reach other people as well. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't well, seem like a hard decision.
1: <laughs> maybe that's misleading because it didn't happen like a pivot like that. Yeah. It was really yeah. like there was a lot of wandering and, you know, yeah, in between then. But, you know, and it, like, I um, have been working on this for over two years anyway. So it's really been a long process, but That's fantastic. it's yeah, I guess it's, if you reduce it, it makes it sound like, oh, I left that and I discovered myself and then I did this, but it was really like a lot more twists and turns yeah. and ups and downs and years past and whatnot, but
0: it's yeah. especially going through a self-diagnosis process from my experience anyway, tell me if yours was different, but it's so much research and so much questioning. Like, am I just faking this thing? Is this real, you know, just because I'm finding this stuff on the internet where I read it in a book, is it, you know, could that actually be me? And that takes so much energy and so much time. And there's so much of your self-identity wrapped up in that, that you're right. It's not like a quick boom, I'm here. You know, it's this huge journey of, and trying to convince your family and the people around you, you know, Oh, yeah. well, you can visit yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, the people around you, yeah, your whole circle can change with coming out as autistic and especially with a self-diagnosis. I was met with resistance, I guess you could say. And even, you know, not just from like lay people, but from therapists too, um who didn't know what they were talking about, but they thought they did. And you know, would kind of try to lean me in the direction of, no, that's not right, Um, or, you know, like, you can't possibly be autistic because of the way you look or X, Y, Z, and, you know, like, just holding on the whole time, like, using the autistic community online as such an anchor, and really like turning to it's almost like a spiritual thing like when you're like oh like i don't know like if i can do this anymore like sometimes i really don't like interacting with neurotypical people and like living in a neurotypical world and like sometimes the world is just too loud and busy and i just feel like i don't care about any of these social structures and any of these like these rituals that don't make sense to me and like so but when I feel that way it always helps me to like have a turn to Jesus moment but like turn to the autistic community like (laughs) and I mean I'm a spiritual person as well not intending to make fun of anyone into christianity whatsoever but like using that as like no but that feeling of finding your people is yeah yeah and so yeah having like faith in that collective belief system and being able to reaffirm um yes i am autistic like i'm not just making this up i'm not crazy this is a developmental thing i can trace this back to before I can even remember you know
0: so Um, yeah I can only imagine how many people I'm 35 I had to do the math for a minute and I can only imagine how much how many people there are who are older than I am that have have never been diagnosed and will never be diagnosed because they're not part of the autistic community online because I don't think I personally would have ever yeah come to that you know without some input from other people and it's hard to find um autistic community in the random location that you end up especially if you're a student and you're you know I moved to Colorado for my master's Mm -hmm. program I'm not from here it can be hard to learn new like the culture's different here I had to learn a totally new culture just to like make basic connections much less to actually find the people I'm trying to find you know I think you're right just the amount of energy that we're forced to spend with the what did you say the like the silly neurotypical rituals, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it's so it's so yeah. frustrating. It's it's so much yeah. energy, and we could be doing anything else right. with it. So yeah. yeah, I I think you're complete. I I think I hear what you're saying that that community is so important to build those bridges and and figure yourself out.
1: Yeah, like base with that is not only affirming but it can be um energizing in that way too and you know I think like autistic people are really funny so like there's a lot of humor in the autistic communities and so it's just like you get information and relatableness and like I don't know I feel like you get to see like the like the rawness and intensity of life that I experience, that is not really like mirrored back to me in by a society or whatever. And so it just feels like very real and like is rejuvenating almost in a way. And also reminds me like why I want to do this because there are a lot of young people. And, you know, if I was, 14 or something, like I could have really used someone like myself now, you know? So.
0: Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah, for sure. So on that note, if we switch over to the wellness center itself, so your goal there is to help folks with autism and ADHD primarily, right? And when you were thinking about putting this thing together, and you said you've been working on it for like two years, right? So Mm -hmm. what went into the process of envisioning how to create a safe space. And also you said a a sensory safe space. Could you tell me a little bit about your process? So
1: I call it like a sensory managed space. Um, so I've used sound blocking curtains, um, acoustics, sound absorbing panels on the walls, um, led lighting and natural lighting, um, and other comfort elements to make it a sensory managed space. Um, And also the way that it's set up being very visual in nature um, was inspired by like art installments um, and museum exhibitions. So I was, I, briefly worked in marketing at a museum um that was a terrible experience and I was fired and it sucks <laughs> but I learned but you got something out of it yeah exactly I learned a lot in the short very short time that I was there um I learned a lot about how exhibitions are staged um in terms of flowing from room to room and how elements are arranged and how like very common raw materials and just painting and building to create something that looks more fantastical like with lights and stuff like that and I started researching more about lights and led lights and light colors and tones and really thinking about sort of like the feel of each space and thinking about really the function and how I could pair that function um, with sort of almost like a theme. Hello. Yeah, so I can kind of like orally take you through the center. (laughs) So like if you come in the front door... And immediately there are um, cardboard cutouts of bodybuilders. <laughs> they're really silly. Um, <laughs> they're supposed to be life-size, but they're like five feet tall. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, that's life-size
0: for me. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, I don't I think they shrunk this, like, giant dude down to... But, yeah, so... And then it's, like, sensory elements. So when you walk in, I wanted to sort of, like, set the tone of it being a place where things are, like, not normal. Like, it doesn't, like, look
0: weird or anything. Like, I think it's pretty cool, but... You walk into a lot of fitness spaces, and there's a lot of noise and a lot of very yellow, bright light in these big, echoey spaces. That's what I think of when I think of, like, going to the gym or going, yeah. And yours sounds like you've put a lot of thought into reducing that kind of
1: yeah absolutely yeah yeah so only one room out of the entire building is Mm -hmm. like the studio where working out is done and so the other rooms are they're all interconnected it used to be a hair salon so if you can kind of imagine like walking through a lobby of a hair salon and then like past the shampoo things and then over here to where they cut it or whatever so they're like interconnected rooms and then the one where um we're working out has is every window and exit um is lined with two layers of curtains one of them being sound blocking or sound absorbing um and then are the acoustic panels on the walls there? And so okay. it's not only more tranquil and serene, but it's also very cool and dark. And um, that sounds
0: lovely, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> those lights get me, I'll tell you when oh to go God. into it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and um so then connected to that, there's a lounge area with like a big comfy couch, and there is a bunch of like spa goodies in there. So there's like a foot bath. Um, there's a neck and shoulder massager. Um, there's like a manicure kit with like a UV light. Um, what else? Epsom salts and essential oils and stuff. So that, you know, if I'm working with someone who is accompanied by, um, an adult or parent or a caretaker, then they can relax while I'm doing the personal training. And then when I'm done with them, then switch. Then the autistic person can do whatever they want. And the rest of the center, which not only includes all the stuff I mentioned, but also there's an electric guitar and other musical instruments and arts and crafts. There's like a big... um, paper roll on the wall that you can draw on and there's like a galaxy room with like a projector light and a cool tent so it's like you're camping out in the stars and so like they can do whatever they want then while I talk with the parent you know not all the clients are children actually I don't have any clients right now who are children but this is just sort of part of the package right the parent comes in and then they just like relax and decompress for like 30 minutes and then you know their kid can just have at it and be themselves in a sensory managed space yeah while they get to after like being calmed (laughs) and relaxed and everything then like they can talk to me about their perspective on things and you know things that they can do to help the situation as well
0: yeah yeah that sounds great. That galaxy room sounds like right up my alley. I think I would be there the whole time. It's pretty so. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the wellness center, you're obviously targeting this toward autistic people. What different needs would you say that autistic people have? Like there's the sensory issues of going into say, a, you know, the Y down the street or a traditional gym, mm-hmm. but are there other aspects to being autistic or having ADHD that are improved, I guess, or helped by like a specialized personal training?
1: Absolutely. Um, so I guess right off the bat, the first thing that comes to mind is that this is a one-on-one space. So mm-hmm. you're not going to walk in and see other people there besides myself. And if I like ever hire another person along the road. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's going to be, by appointment. So you know that it's your time, your space, no one is going to intrude on it. You have total control over what we do, you know, and not only that, but the way that I present the information um, is autism friendly. And so, you know, that goes back to um, my master's program. And not only that, but um, my previous master's program, I was studying applied linguistics, which mm-hmm. is mostly teaching English as a second language. So there's a lot of education instruction there. So yeah. presenting the information in a combination of ways. So visually and verbally, there mm-hmm. are like tiny little whiteboards like everywhere. So that, you know... <laughs>
0: We're a whiteboard house. Yep, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a son with autism too. So we're both of us autistic. Okay. And then my partner and my daughter are ADHD. Okay. So we have a lot of different, yeah, like I'm, I'm repeating myself a lot, partly just because of their ages, but also, yes, we have lots of whiteboards and lots of like um, the little cards with the pictures on them. I've forgotten the name of them, but oh, I made them yeah. myself and mm-hmm. I just, they're just posted everywhere just as reminders or, you know. Right. Other kinds of messaging, yeah. Right. So that sounds, yeah. that's really cool. So you maybe would have, like, the verbal instruction and a, a take-home packet or a, a video that they could watch or something.
1: Right, exactly. For the
0: exercises. Yeah. That's great.
1: And another thing that um, I do that I've not seen at gyms ever, but is I include the gym equipment that they use. Oh, great. Yeah. So it, because everything is individualized, not everyone will use the same equipment, but, mm-hmm. um, what I, cause I really do not believe in indefinite personal training or like never ending personal training. Like yeah, a lot of personal trainers want people to do that, you know, and that makes sense. That's their career, but really that doesn't make sense for most people. My goal yes. is to get people set up so that they can do it at home. And one of the things with that is just getting the right equipment. Um Yeah. And that's, it's not easy to find oh. what equipment suits you.
0: You know? <laughs> it's gotten in my way a couple of times. Yeah. Right. For yeah. sure.
1: But like you go to a gym and there's like a million things to try out, then, you know, you can find
0: your space there, but that takes a while. And and it's loud and awful there. So why would you even yeah. go in in the first place? Yeah, that's my problem. And then, yeah. but then you're looking at which strength span should I get on the internet? And that's also a problem. So right. that's really cool.
1: Yeah. And it's always the question of like, you know, which type of weight, like a dumbbell, a kettlebell, like a weighted ball, you know, mm-hmm. okay, will narrow that down. What, how much weight, like 10 pounds, you know, <laughs> So. yeah
0: so you are individually assessing each client and trying to help hear what they want or trying to get out of the sessions so yeah yeah specialized equipment that works for their body type and where they are and what their goals are is that right
1: right yeah and another thing a lot of clients that go to traditional personal trainers their goal is to like lose as much weight as quickly as possible or to like, Um, look a certain way or to alter their body composition. And so they work out really hard to get those results Mm -hmm. really fast. Um, And that's just, I just come from a totally different paradigm where I know how much exercise is required, like based on the scientific literature that's out there, how much you actually need and what intensities and what different types to prevent chronic disease and to feel good and to, you know, there are different exercises that can improve balance. That's something that is Mm -hmm. important to me, um, is balance and stability and mobility. Um, and that's, you don't get that from running on a treadmill. Yeah. I guess it's just a very different paradigm where, you know, I found working with other personal trainers and I'm so thankful that I have because I've learned so much, but there's a big attitude um, in a big misinformed attitude running in that field that um, healthy looks a certain way. Healthy is a certain thing. And, you know, that's really not the case. Like we know from the scientific literature and, maybe they'll discover something in the future and have <laughs> to change it cuz that's science but right now we know that like you can be a little bit overweight without it affecting your health and like you don't have to be as thin as possible and there are different body types and some people have uh, more muscle and more fat and other people, it's really hard for them to get muscle or fat. And I'm not even thinking about any of that with my clients. Like, we're just like, okay, like, are you sleeping at night? No, like, okay, let's fix
0: that. You know what I mean? Using movement to do that. You know, you walk into a traditional fitness space and I'm my personal body type. I'm relatively strong. I'm pretty fat. I'm never gonna be like a particularly skinny person. Right. And you feel like you're trying to go in and maybe work on your balance. Like a lot of us, Autistics and ADHD, have terrible balance and mm-hmm. a lot of dyspraxia and a lot of like yeah. lack of awareness where our bodies are. And certain kinds of exercise can really help with that. But to have to go to a place where you're feeling judged for not trying to be skinny. Or not trying to lose twenty pounds right. can be really tough. On top of all the other stuff that is tough about going to the gym, so Absolutely. it's. I just think it's really fantastic to hear that um, your approach is so different and so focused on kind of function. Like what what is how can we improve your life, or how can we improve your your goals and your energy and your happiness?
1: Yeah, for me, it's about overall wellness. You know, yeah, not about fitness. Um, movement is a part of most people's everyday life and health and wellness the perceptions are really different and not only that um but it's intimidating to go into a gym and mm-hmm. feel like you don't know what you're doing you okay. feel like people are looking at you um and i know like even working as a personal trainer and going into the same gym that I worked at, and working out, and losing my balance here and there, and, you know, being able to recover myself, and know my limits where I'm not hurting myself, and, you know, knowing to go slow, and change my posture, and whatnot, and having people look at me, like, what is this girl doing, you know, like, she doesn't know what she's doing, because she, like, lost her balance a little bit, and it's like, like, that is sort of, just um the overall attitude and it's so not helpful and it's not scientific yeah. and also I feel like that's not a good way for me personally to think and feel and you know being a perfectionist and you know I'm I'm not saying that I have an eating disorder because I don't but there are a lot of autistic women and women with OCD who do, and I'm not about to perpetuate that sort of message to a group of people that I know um, might be more vulnerable to being hurt by it, -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's really just not, like, not any of my focus, and doesn't, like, come into my mind at all, and kind of surprises me then when I am like reminded that people think like,
0: you know, that's what, yeah, this that's what this kind of center might be, or that's what is expected right. of a fitness space.
1: Right. Exactly. Whereas I'm focused on overall wellness. So that's not just about movement, but it's about, you know, creativity and relaxing and, um, not just relaxing as in a leisure way, but also relaxing your nervous system from not, you know, being as assaulted by sounds and lights and whatnot. I mean, it's not like the center exists in a sensory deprivation tank. <laughs> like, there's still noises, but,
0: you know, just that but just little things can make right. a room a lot better for us and you know it's, right. if that's yeah. been your focus then I'm 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 sure without even walking into the room that it's a much more calming space than going to a traditional fitness area so even the occupational therapist's office I've been in some of them work really hard to reduce sensory input but some mm-hmm. of them do not <laughs> and that's a little frustrating <laughs> considering like and I'm I'm a fan of OT like I uh I think it's it depends on the practitioner, but overall, I think it's a a good approach. But Uh um, still, individual therapists sometimes don't seem to think about what their clients might benefit from. I think there must be something about walking into a wellness center that is run and created by somebody who's autistic that just makes you feel like you're welcome here. You're coming home. This is like part of your community. And the fitness space in a lot of gyms are just not my community at all you know yeah. they they can make yeah. you feel very alienated
1: yeah absolutely yeah. and it, it makes sense you know why gyms are the way that they are mm-hmm. um you know I don't think most people would probably kind of scratch their heads if you tried to put like calming and workout in like the same sentence yeah. you know um I think it's great personally like <laughs> you know, and I, well, I like strength training. I like doing it like heavy and slow anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't have cardio equipment, um, at the center. And, you know, if we're doing cardio, it's going to be, um, you know, as an added benefit with something else that we're also doing. Yeah. Um, but you know, it makes sense why gyms are the way they are to keep people's energies up and keep them hyped. And I still love going to the gym, that's, that's yeah. definitely what I'm going for, just something more. I really want it to be, like, feel like a home when you go there.
0: Yeah. You know? That sounds lovely. Wonderful. Thanks.
1: You can come in whenever you want. <laughs> Thank you. I
0: appreciate it. If I'm ever in Michigan, that would be yeah. nice. Um, I really do wish, I'm in Colorado, and I do, really do wish there was something like this closer to us. I've found occupational therapists that we like that do are not coming from a personal trainer perspective, but do sort of slightly similar things and helping you focus in on an area where, you know, improving this muscle group might help your balance or might help whatever issue you're having. Okay.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: But it's still not, you know, they're not neurodivergent. Most of them, some of them are, and right. it's still in this facility where there are, kind of lots of other clients and lots of therapists kind of working in one big gym-esque type of space together. Um, And it can be very distracting and very loud. And sometimes the equipment you need isn't available. Hectic Hectic is a great word. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, So this sounds gorgeous. that energy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And one thing that I always think of is, you know, one of the big things that we learned when I was studying... Like more of the education stuff is that you can't learn information when you have anxiety, yeah. when your anxiety is up or any emotion has been aroused. That's just the way the brain works. And so, like, if you go into a space and, you know, there are a bunch of people like running around or yelling and talking over one another or even just like sneakers. Yeah. Sneaking, all um, <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And like all the materials that just amplify and echo all those noises and um go into a space and you're calmer, then you can focus more and learn more. And I think that um you know establishing or reinforcing or strengthening that mind-body connection is so important for autistic people or anyone who struggles to manage their emotions in some way whether that's through regulation or um,
0: through uh, even identifying emotions can be difficult for a lot of us
1: exactly right yeah or even just feeling hunger when you're hungry Mm -hmm. you know and so I think like Bringing that awareness and that consciousness back into our bodies is really helpful. It's been super helpful for me um, as an autistic person, but I've seen autistic people elsewhere like really take to strength training and like, I think it's because of that, the way that it feels Um, like that pressure and resistance.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for this conversation and for being here today. Uh to finish up is there anything that you want to say to other autistic folks who are listening who are interested in starting their own business or interested in doing something similar to what you've done with going back for your masters?
1: Yeah. I would say to an autistic person who is looking to start a business or start a new chapter or take a step in their career, education or personal life, I guess one thing that if I didn't have, I wouldn't have made it this far is being able to ignore people um because exactly zero people believed in me and so cuz it's like over two years of people making you feel like you're crazy you know like you're literally delusional and people don't know what you're doing every day with your work and it's just like oh yeah I'm starting a wellness yeah. like oh no you're not um and so like really like trying to power through that like I'm not crazy. I know what I'm doing. I'm the one with my education. Like I'm an expert in my field. I'm not just pulling some random career out of a hat and trying to make it work. Remind yourself that you're the expert of your own life. and You're the expert of your own person. And if you believe in yourself, then never, ever, ever let anyone tell you that your dreams are not going to come true. And if someone tells you that, get them out of your life immediately. That's so fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of strongly worded. It's <laughs> okay.
0: You're, I mean, everyone who listens to this is, well, almost everyone is neurodivergent. So they, they need to hear stuff like that. I feel like we don't get, we don't get a lot of that in our lives. So oh, thank yeah. you so much for being yeah. here. I really appreciate talking to you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was fun. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you for being with me on NeuroDiverging today, and thank you to Erin Beal for joining us. If you're interested in learning more about Erin's Autism Wellness Center of Southwest Michigan, please go to her Facebook or her Instagram. Facebook is facebook.com slash Erin Beal Autism, E-R-I-N-B-E-A-L Autism, or Erin's Instagram is at autism wellness center swmi you can also book a virtual session with erin from anywhere in the world for freelance wellness consulting for kids teens or adults by emailing her at Wellness center swmi at gmail.com subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes appear also, are you neurodivergent and interested in being a podcast guest on Neurodiverging? Please go ahead and email me your pitch at neurodiverging.podcast at or go ahead to the website at Neurodiverging to find more information. Remember, we are all in this together.